22 verses 14 through excuse me Matthew 25 verse 14 through 30 Matthew 25 verse 14 through 30 if you don't have a Bible of your own uh, our ushers have Bibles available just raise your hand they'll bring a Bible to you that you can use throughout our service this morning I'll be reading from the ESV and so if you'd like to follow along in that version that's the same version of the Bibles that our ushers have Let's all stand then in respect to the reading of God's holy word. Let's give our attention and respect to the reading of God's word. In the middle of this chapter, we see Jesus telling another parable about the kingdom. It says, For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also who had the two talents came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also who had, the one, who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed, so I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have in an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. May God give us wisdom insight as we look into his words this morning and seek to apply this towards our own lives. If you would remain standing, let's bow for a moment of prayer after prayer. Our choir is coming with special music and then the preaching of God's word in this text this morning. Let's bow. Dear Lord, we thank you for bringing us together once again this Sunday to come and to worship you. We thank you for those who uh, some who were sick last week. We think of Dale, who wasn't able to be here, but is here now. We thank you for recovery, for healing. We pray for, for David and his recovery, Lord, and the attack that he suffered. We pray for his healing, not only of his body, but in his mind, that he can continue to trust in you in spite of the evil that's been done to him. We pray for Sister Brenda Adams and her recovery, as well as her husband who had a stroke earlier. And we pray, Lord, for 
his healing, spiritually for his heart to be turned totally towards you and that to be evident in his life and in his works. We pray that you'd keep that family, watch over them, protect, heal, and bless. We pray for the Keys family, Lord, as they go through this week with the service of their brother and his death, funeral service for him. And we just pray that you would allow those in that family who know you to be a testimony and to share the gospel. It seems like there's not a lot of room in, in a service to formally present the gospel, but I pray, Lord, from, from person to person and from conversation to conversation, you allow the testimony of your word to go out. Lord, I pray for the Galster family, Don Galster, Dr. Galster, and losing his brother. We pray for comfort for him and his family and uh, that entire family, Lord, and as they assemble in Michigan later on this week, we just pray for protection and, again, for the gospel to come out during this time. It's a time of death, Lord, where people um, have to deal with something that they have often put off and ignored and don't want to deal with because they're not prepared for death. But we pray that the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ will show them how they can be ready to face God. They can face him confidently because of their trust and faith in what Christ has done on the cross for them. We pray for the Bill Dick family, his new wife, Mary Ann, with their service of the uh, wedding yesterday. We pray, Lord, that, that you would use this new union to bring glory to you, that you would blend these families together, that you continue to minister to them and allow them to minister to others as a couple. We thank you for Pastor Brooks and as he takes them both under his ministry. We pray for wisdom for him to help them in their unique setting and situation. And we pray for the people here in this church, Lord, that we might be faithful in living out the gospel. We might be consistent, that we might, um, we might just have a pure and right testimony to speak to others about Christ and live that in front of them. So open our hearts and minds to your word today that you might do with your word, that, that you might have your way in our lives, in our hearts today. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. We track in our series now in Matthew, in Matthew chapter 25. From history, we know that Jesus is in the last week of his ministry before the crucifixion. He is just days before going to the cross. He has shared a woe of judgment to the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the elite who have rejected him wholeheartedly. Remember, he started with his coming into Jerusalem on a donkey and going into the temple and clearing the temple and being asked questions, what authority do you have to do all this? And he has proven himself over and over again, and yet he's been rejected by these elite. So he pronounces these woes to them, and then he tells his disciples, along with those who are standing nearby, what's going to happen near the end of the age. Chapter 24, he does that. Then in chapter 25, he's going to give three parables, or two parables and an illustration of what happens in the end of the age. What's happening is, at the end of the age, Jesus is coming. And he's going to do two things. He's going to call his people to himself. And for that first parable we saw last week was about the ten bridesmaids, if you will, who are to be expecting the groom to come and be re ready and prepared for him at any moment. Five were ready and five were not. 
the five ready were called wise, the ones who were not prepared, who thought that they, you know, with the little, little preparation, they could just make ready at the last minute. They realized it didn't happen that way. The groom came, and those who ready, were ready went with him and were welcomed into the feast, the marriage supper, the feast and the celebration. Those other ones who were not ready came knocking afterwards, and they were not let in. Now today, chapter 25, verses 14 through 30, he's going to give another parable. And again, it's for them to prepare, for his disciples and those listening, to prepare for the end of the age, what they should do to prepare for this. And so this message is applicable to us. He gives the parable of the talents. Now, we get tripped up with the word talents, but you can see in this text, it means money. And in fact, a talent was worth, one talent was worth a year's wage. Now, I looked up the average year wage in Wisconsin. We're just going to round it down. It's, it's, it's $50,604. That's the average year wage for the average employee in Wisconsin. Um, we're going to round it just for, for even numbers of 50000 And so that will put into our present age this parable of the talents. He tells us in this story that it is like or it will be like. What will be like? Well, the implication is you've been following along what he's teaching about. The kingdom of heaven will be like. And when he talks about the kingdom of heaven, he's talking about the entrance into the kingdom of heaven. In other words, the end of this world's age and the start of Jesus coming and reigning and ushering in his kingdom. What is that going to be like? Well, the first parable, it would be like those who need to be prepared, and some will be and some will not. The second parable, it would be like this these talents. It would be like a man, he says, going on a journey who calls his servants and entrusts to them these talents. Let's just go over the detail that he shares and then let's make application or, or what that detail means and what it means for us today and anybody listening to this story. He tells the story of a man who goes on a journey, and he entrusts to his servants his property. There's an expectation that he wants his servants to manage this amount of property or money so that when he returns, they have a return on his investment. In other words, if he gave you $1,000, don't just give him 1000 back. He could have hid that in the sand and, and kept and, and still had that $1,000. But as an acute businessman, he would have taken that $1,000 and used it to earn more. And so he expected his servants to do that. He gave to one servant five talents. Talent is money. In our day and age, that's $50,000 per talent. That's about $250,000. That's no small change. $250,000. To another servant, he gave about $100,000. Again, no small change. And to another servant, he gave one talent, which is about $50,000. Again! No small change. He has invested a lot in his servants. And the thing he says, it says, he gave to each, in verse 15, to one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. And we notice that the owner, the master, doesn't give everyone the same amount, but he gave to them according to, his, to their individual ability. Then it tells us what happened. The one who had the five talents, it says this. 
at once he went and traded with them. I like that. At once. Because that, that just smacks me in the face. I've told you before that I, I struggle with procrastination. This servant did not procrastinate. He says at once. He got busy right away. I remember being in school and getting that paper project. You know, you have to write a paper. You got to do a project. And they tell you it's due in three weeks. And I go, I got a lot of time. I got a lot of time. But this servant did differently. It says at once, immediately he took what was given to him and he began to put it to work. And it says simply, he made five talents more. It doesn't tell us what he did, how he invested it, and how long it took to gain that. That's not the point. He went to work right away, and with his five talents, or with his $250,000, he gained another $250,000. The one with two talents did the same thing. He went to work right away, he applied himself, and he took his $100,000 and made $100,000 more. Then it said that last servant. He took his measly $50,000, dug a hole, and put it in the ground. It says he hid his master's money. Now it says in verse 19, now, after a long time, that's a key phrase here, after a long time. Because you'd ask, well, how long? The point is, nobody knows. None of the servants knew exactly how long it would be, but it was a long time. After a long time, the master returned. And notice what he does when he returns. The word here he uses is he settled accounts with them. It's a day of reckoning, a judgment day. He's going to call each one into account to give an answer for what it is that they have done with what the master has given them. Notice how he does that. He starts with the first one. He says, he who had received the five talents came forward. That's another key word. In other words, there's no running and hiding. He's calling you to a meeting and you will appear. He came forward. Now, of course, he's glad to come forward because he's got good news. He came forward bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered me five talents. Here, I have made five talents more. I like that word, here. He recognized the talents that he has. The money that he has is not his. It's been given to him, entrusted to him by his master. And he says, here, Master, I now give back to you what you gave me plus what I earned with it. What does his master say? Oh, no, 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 man. You, you ain't got to give me all of that. No, he says, well done. Well done, you good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. You catch that over a little? I will set you over much. We'll get to that a little later. Next in line is the one who received the two talents, the $100,000 in our day's wages. He says, Master, you delivered to me two talents. You delivered to me 
$100,000. Here, I have made 100000 more. Again, he recognizes the money wasn't his, and the profit belonged to the master, and the master welcomed that. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And it tells us about that third servant. says in verse 24, he also who had received the one talent came forward. He came forward. There's a meeting time. He's going to come. The master is settling accounts. Accountability. What have you done with what I gave you? Well, he has to answer for it. And he tells the story. Master, I knew you to be a hard man. Reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, here it is. You have what is yours. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. What, what was he saying? I knew you were a hard man. Reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you, where you scattered no seed. He makes that sound like that's an evil thing. The master is saying, look, I expect a profit. I have invested in you. I expect to get more than what I gave you. We understand that in the business world. Why would I give you uh, 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 $50,000 for you to just give it back to me after a long period of time. And he explains, I could have invested, I could have just put that in the bank, which is the lowest level of investment, and gotten a little bit of return. You took my money and you did absolutely nothing with it, and you think I should applaud you because you gave me back what I originally had. He says, I don't applaud you at all. I expected you to take it and invest and bring me something more back. Now you notice what he does and how he responds to this last servant to get the point of what Jesus is making. It's an important point. He says, verse 30, cast the worthless servant into outer darkness. He calls him worthless. He calls the other one faithful, good and faithful. He calls this one worthless. And he says, cast him to outer darkness. And he gives further explanation of what he's talking about. It says, in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Clear implication is that this is the ultimate judgment. And the servant that has been worthless and has wasted his master's goods, you say he didn't waste it, he gave it back to him. He gave him merely back what he had been given. And the master expected more than that. This servant will be judged severely in the harshest way possible. So what is Jesus teaching? He's teaching, first of all, it's a common thing of this long journey that the master is going away for time. It's interesting, Jesus is coming up on his crucifixion and yet he has his thoughts on how to prepare his disciples for his return, which as we know is going to be sometime later. But he's taking the time out to speak to them, to, to teach them this very important point that applies to us today. The point is clear. 
The master being gone for a long time represents Jesus leaving and waiting for his return. And he hasn't returned yet. You know, people say, well, you know, the Bible has been talking about this all the time. And that's why I don't know if I should believe the Bible because it's been so long. Do you realize that's exactly what the Bible says? That's exactly what it says. If his time was short, he would not need to teach this principle and to, 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 to bear this truth home again and again and again. Remember the parable before with, with the, uh, uh, the virgins, the bridesmaids. It, it was a while. It took some, it was a delay in the groom coming with the wedding party for them to gather with him. There was a time, and in chapter 24, he says, look, no one knows how long it's going to be. At the end of, of, of this parable about the, the uh, bridesmaids, he says, watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. He's teaching, them, he's teaching us today that there is an intentional delay, and that delay tests whether or not we are faithful and whether or not we believe what God says. How do you know you believe by your real action? Real faith produces real faithfulness. Well done, good and faithful servant. You took me at my word. You trusted what I said and you followed it out. Not just the first day after I left. But you continue to do it day after day after day until the moment I returned and I could see the results of what you did. If you say, I trust Jesus, your life needs to show it and will, in fact, show it whether you do or whether you don't. How do you show that? Through consistent, faithful living, producing what God expects us to to produce his works, his purpose, his will. These faithful servants just didn't do it for a week and then say, okay, well, he didn't come. I'm, I'm going to something else. They were found faithful until he came. I asked, what about you? I'm struggling as a pastor. I've had several people who've come to new membership class, and the moment they get out and, 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 and the moment they, they, they're, 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 they're placed as members, weeks off, time off, ain't seen them for a while. <laughs> Do you think that God is looking at Sweet Communion Roll and say, oh, well, yeah, you, you a member there. You cool. You good. God is looking at your faithfulness. He's looking at a consistent walk that shows that you really believe that he means what he says. Being true to him. Jesus is talking to his disciples. And he says the kingdom of heaven is going to be like this. You have been given something by God. In this story, it's money. Because we relate to that. We understand that. In our lives, there's several things that God has given us. And things that he, re he expects as a return. He has given us time. And he's given us circumstances in which to operate. That regardless of the day and age that we live in, he expects a return. I believe God expects something from me. I believe God expects something from this ministry and this church. And he's driving to make it happen. And he's going to hold us accountable for what we do with what he has given us. Now, he gives each according to his ability. God didn't give me a church of 500. God didn't give me a church of a thousand. And even if he had, he would say the same thing. If I was faithful in it, you've been faithful over a little. 
over little. But that's not sarcasm. Because the next statement is, I will set you charge over much. There's a principle. People want to say, well, you know, on my job, I think I ought to get promoted. Are you taking care of the things you already have responsibility for faithfully? Do that first. He says, you've been faithful over little. Proves to me that you are ready for the next step. But if you're not faithful over that which has already been given your responsibility, don't expect to be put at another level. That, that's a principle. It's God's principle, which means it is, it is what I would call just a principle of living in this world. He will give, a, give you some responsibility and see how you care for that and give you more if he deems that worthy. You see, the master is saying, I've got this servant, and I'm going to give him five talents. And he has to serve another servant, he gives two talents. You might think, well, if he gave the servant with two talents, if he gave him five, would, would he produce the same? Probably not. He had a limitation. He probably would take that 250000 and just get a smaller, much smaller return. That, that was the limit of his ability. But this, this story, this parable is not focusing on the ability. It's focused on, focused on the faithfulness. In other words, don't compare what you're doing with someone else. Look at your own faithfulness. Am I faithful in what God has given me? The circumstances, the time, the, the opportunities that he's given me, and I'm faith, am I faithful in that? And if you are, he's saying to you what he said to that servant, and, and any servant who truly honors his master loves to hear this, well done. You've been a good and faithful servant, and I'm not just going to say it. I'm going to show it. I'm going to reward you. Here's another thing in this parable. We don't understand how it functions because we understand the principle that our salvation is not earned by us. We understand that principle. For by grace have you been saved that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works as any man should boast. We understand that. But what we don't understand is that God is eternally going to reward those who are faithful in his service in some way. I don't know how that happens. But he tells us here he's going to reward based on faithfulness. What does that look at like? You and I don't have to know that. That's part of the test of faithfulness. It's like the son saying, Mama, what am I going to get for cleaning off the table? What am I going to get for taking the garbage out? What am I going to get for, for sweeping the floor? What am I going to get for making up my bed? In one way, Mama and Daddy going to say, you get to live here another day and eat the food that I've been working hard to give you, and wear the clothes that I've been giving you. But, but in another way, he's saying, look, your faithfulness is going to translate to when you are out of this home and doing it for yourself, because if you're lazy here, you're going to be lazy there. And you're going to be wondering, why I ain't got this, and why I ain't got that. I remember first, my second year in college, I had a friend who was a freshman that year, and he came... Um, from my, from my same high school. And his first week in college, he came to my room and he says, um, man, Brian, when, when they coming to wash our clothes? <laughs> and I looked at him and I just laughed. I want to say, dude, just, just leave them in the corner there, man. They, they'll be here, somebody take care of it eventually. See, if you're lazy at home and, and think somebody else is going to do for you there, then when you 
go to the next level, you're going to carry that same laziness, and your laziness in itself is going to be its own reward. I don't know how that works out. I haven't figured it all out. How God sets in his kingdom. You know, <coughs> remember the story of the sons of, of thunder and their mother coming and asked Jesus to set his sons up in the kingdom. He says, are you able to drink the cup? And he says, yeah, yeah, we able. And he said, yeah, you will. Yeah, you will. Jesus does have a special place and a special honor for his faithful. And we don't have to know how that all pans out. He doesn't tell us. But he says, take me at my word. Another way he says it this, he says it this way. Anybody who does anything for my kingdom, if you so much as give a cold drink of water, to one of my servants, you have a prophet's reward. So he's giving us incentive saying, look, the things that you do for Christ do count. They may not mean a whole lot here. You might not even get recognition here, but that's testing your faith. Do you believe me what I say? <coughs> Galatians chapter 6, he said, don't be weary in well-doing, for in due season you will, you'll reap if you don't faint, if you don't quit, if you don't give up, there is blessing and reward in this life as well as the one to come. I just ain't figured, that, figured it all out, and you haven't either. How is it all going to happen? Because God won't, don't want us to do it because we figured it out. He wants us to do it because we have a genuine heart to serve our master, to honor him, to love him. We appreciate what he's done for us, and we recognize the opportunities that he's given to us. You know something? When the casket lays in front of the church, and my turn to lay in there has come, or your turn to lie in it has come, you will have no more opportunity here on earth to do anything for Christ. So do it now. I praise God for the people in this ministry who work hard. They don't even tell me what they do. There are people who, who, who make calls and give meals to individuals and, and just share with people and just all kinds of things. I, I, I get glimpses and hints of some of the stuff that goes on and I just marvel at it. Each week, <coughs> we have a driver for our van who takes two trips <laughs> to pick men up and bring them back. Several faithful men have done those types of chores and those jobs and 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 we have people all over who serve in the nursery, who, who serve on the, uh, on the cleaning list, um, who serve to prepare the grounds outside, who do all sorts of things, and, and they don't break their hands patting themselves on the back. They just do it as unto the Lord. I guarantee you, let me say it a different way, I can't guarantee anything except I guarantee what God will be faithful in what he guarantees, and he guarantees that he will reward his people for what they do. Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he's warning them that there's going to be a long delay between his leaving and his return. And in that delay, they are given opportunity, responsibilities, uh, uh, and God expects them to carry it out, and he's going to call them into account when they do that. He is going to reward those who have been faithful, and let's talk for a moment, that one who was unfaithful. He's not just scolded. He's found not to be a believer. Did, did, did you see that at the end? Cast him to outer darkness. 
in a place where there's going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth. He's talking about hell. Believers don't have to fear hell. He's saying there's some who are acting as servants who really aren't. And the time will prove. And it will show. And they will receive their just punishment. They may be applauded in this life for certain things. But God looks at it like, no, mm -mm, I'm not convinced at all. They will get a final judgment that shows they were never faithful. They were never true believers. That's a caution that we have to take because Jesus gives it. So many people think that Jesus is just this great encourager. He always speaks with a smile, and he says only nice, nice things. He gives an awesome parable, both here and the last point. Remember the last one about the, the, the bridesmaids? Five of them were foolish, and they went knocking, and there was no door open to them. That's a strong statement. Jesus is saying there is a reality about the judgment that we do well to take and let it register in our minds now because when we face it, it will be too late to take it seriously then. It's like coming to graduation day. I remember in high school, I had a, a few friends who never made graduation. And it's when you're in graduation and the others are dressed up in the gown and the cap and the gown and, and they receive that diploma. All of them won it then. But three years before, did you want it? Did, were you willing to do what it takes to get that? Were you, in other words, were you willing to be faithful, a good and faithful servant. Don't wait to graduation time to realize you should have done that. Take the time out. I think the right response today is, Lord, I count myself as a true servant. Help me. Well, it's kind of like what, what Moses said in Psalm 90. Lord, teach me to number my days that I'll apply my heart towards wisdom. You've given me opportunities, and I have a certain amount of skill to go with that. Help me to use my skill to the maximum and take maximum advantage of my opportunity. That, that really is what God, where God wants you to sit right now. You're a servant here, and take it that way. Recognize that God expects you to be busy, to be faithful in his work. Look around your church right here. What could we be doing? What is God asking us to do? Make it simple. Our goal for Sunday school was 75, and I think today we had 71, and I just shut her up. Because I, you know, I know some who are missing, and, and uh, I don't know what their reasons are. But like, man, we could, we could really achieve that. And I know our Sunday school kids section is preparing for uh, Resurrection Sunday and they have big plans and they're trying to get things ready and, and we have some working just hard at that. I know we have truth seekers on Wednesday and, and I talked about Bill Dick and his marriage and now he's no longer, he and his wife had headed that ministry up and now he's no longer here. So there's opportunity now for someone looking like, oh man, I'm doing enough. Maybe some are, but there's also some who could be busy, could be busy, could be useful, could be engaged doing God's work here. This is where God has placed you. This is the opportunities given. Ask God to help you be faithful right where you are, not waiting for some other opportunity. You've been faithful in a little, right here, right now. I will make you charge over much. Be faithful in that little. So maybe your prayer today is, Lord, help me to be faithful. Maybe your prayer is today, Lord, help me to be engaged. What can I do during the week? 
what should I be doing during the week? How can I uh, help others to tie in? How can I, how can I uh, encourage others in your work and in the ministry? What should I be doing? Many of you have visited my house and you know I like doing renovations. In fact, we own this house for over 25 years now. Still renovating it, <laughs> still doing work. My mom looks at me like, yeah, I told you that. <laughs> but it's, 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 it's a work of love. The way I did and accomplished that work is I decided that there were, there were moments in my, in my routine where I wasted time. The biggest moment was after dinner. If I ate dinner at six o'clock, then I would maybe watch the news, and then after the news, some show would come on, I end up watching that, end up watching that. And I would have a two-hour period where I just relaxed. I asked myself, do I need two hours to relax? Or should I be taking two hours to relax? I, I pat myself on the back, well, during the week, I mean, during the day, man, I was really busy. I was doing this and doing this and doing this. Well, maybe so. But maybe I needed 20 minutes to relax and I could use an hour and 40 minutes to do something useful and still have another time after that to relax a little bit. And I decided my renovation of my house for those 25 years, I could do that. It amounted to a renovated house that I could look back and say, hey, I spent my time well. Couldn't do that every day or every week. But over a long period of time, there was something accomplished. Are there times, is there, is there a window in your life that's available for the Lord that you'll make available? Oh, I'm not saying you've got to spend eight hours a day. Maybe you can start with 20 minutes. If you were to use 20 minutes every day and ask God for wisdom for that 20 minutes, what would he tell you? How could that be effective for his will and for his purpose? I notice those who are involved in ministry here at Sweet Community, they do so many different things, and a lot of it comes when they're away from Sunday service. I'm familiar with those in the music ministry because I see them day in and day out. And I know it caused them to work at home, to practice at home, to do things that allow them to get maximum use of their time and their ability when they're here. That's the work we don't see, work we don't always recognize. I don't know what part might touch your heart, but I do pray that you'll make use of your time for God's glory. Do you know what? <clears throat> you can invest in a lot of things, but you never go wrong investing in eternity, especially for your own good. You can't lose investing in God and God's work. You cannot lose. These servants, these two, were just faithful in whatever had been given them. They weren't all given the same thing but they had the same level of faithfulness. And God did not commend the one with five talents over and above the one with two. He commended them the same because they put forth the same. They produced differently, but they put forth the same. That's what God is asking. He's not saying, you know, do you have, are you able to sing like Sister Mickey? Are you able to play the piano like Chantel? Are you able to lead an ensemble like Heidi? He's not asking you that. He's saying, whatever it is you can do, are you willing to apply yourself faithfully there? Father, we thank you for your word today. The invitation is really in our own hearts. We want to say yes. We don't know how long your delay is, but we know right now, if we don't get busy right now, it'll slip away. And we won't get done what we need to get done. 
We want to take you seriously. And we show that by how, what we do, and how we do it. Lord, I pray that you touch hearts all over this place. I am so thankful for the great opportunity that you've given us here at Sweet Communion. We have everything we need. Because we have you. Whatever resource we don't seem to find or identify, you give to us at that time. You have always done that. We thank you for that. I thank you for the people that you have given, the hearts that you have given to your work here. Lord, if there's some that have been discouraged, I pray that you would encourage them. May they listen and take heed to your words. You are urging us to see the time that it is near. To see and to sense the urgency that we can't waste any more time. So Lord, move our hearts to simply obey you. It's really that simple. We want to do what you tell us to do. We have that attitude. You'll start speaking. You'll start telling us what it is you want us to do. Thank you for the song that's playing right now. reflect our hearts right now. Lord, I'm available to you. My hands, my arms, a voice, everything that I have, we want to give to you. Help us to take you seriously and then to act accordingly. Guide our hearts. Give us wisdom. Motivate us where we are not motivated. Encourage us where we are discouraged. Energize us where we are lazy or need energy. So that at the end of our time, we can hear you say, Well done, a good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. We pray this in Jesus' name.